Hi, this is Rob Wilson. Welcome again to the Employco HR podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us this week. With me as usual is uh, Scott Wilson, my brother and partner. How are you? Jason Eisenhut, our Vice President of Human Resources. Hi, everybody. And working the board is Nikki Navarro, as, as, uh, as usual. So thanks for joining us. So this week's topic is transgender issues in the workplace. It's uh, getting a lot of media attention these days on the... Uh, uh, and a variety of topics, and, and uh, so transgenders. Jason, let's walk through what, uh, give us a little general information. Sure. That, most people have heard the term by now. It's becoming more and more mainstream, but just in case not, transgender is, is more or less an uh, umbrella term to describe people whose uh, either gender identity or gender expression is different than their biological gender. So some of the issues that we need to kind of take note of are um, what is their actual biological gender? What is a person's gender expression? And that's basically their outward presentation of what gender they want. So basically what kind of clothing they wear, how do they want to present themselves outwardly to people. And then there's also gender identity, which is what someone feels on the inside that they identify with which gender. So the, all of those could be opposite or conflicting sometimes with their biological gender. And there's obviously different issues in the workplace that, that we'll touch on. And generally about, uh, statistics are about 03 to 3% of the uh, American, adult Americans are transgender identified at this point. And I think that trend is going to more and more continue to ramp up as transgender becomes more and more mainstream in, in the U.S. And that uh, people always ask a question from uh, sexual realignment surgery. That, that really isn't an issue as far as defining the transgenders. Right, right. As soon as someone completes the surgery, then they can start applying. I think it's a year after for um, some legal protections, like legally changing your gender on your driver's license or with the state. And each state's a little bit different. But yeah, once you complete the surgery, then you can start going through the, the legal process. Yeah, and with the different stars out there, you're hearing more and more on the news, whether it's Caitlyn Jenner or Chaz Bono or Alexis Arquette. And there's a whole number of uh, celebrities and even famous sport athletes that you're hearing about in the news. So let's uh, let's talk through on the uh, on the new hire issue. So now you, uh, uh, we've had several clients that uh, that we've worked with that have contacted us and said, you know, we hire a person. We we don't know what to do. We we don't know it's a transgender issue. We're but we go to fill out the I nine. We look at the ID and the name and picture don't match the uh, the person in front of them. So Jason, what what do they do from a uh, from a form completion and new hire process? So the official legal forms, you have to use what is on the documentation, the legal documentation, such as driver's license or passport. The gender that's, uh, that's shown on those is what needs to be completed and matching on the legal documents. But then in terms of internal forms, like um, what name do you want to appear on business cards or your email address, that employers can be a little bit more flexible on and then kind of work through with the employee what what's appropriate. But it can get a little bit tricky with, mismatches in terms of outward presentation of which gender they're showing and which documentations they're actually showing as listing as their gender. So then do you end up having two employee files with the, because you're going to, from a 9-9 standpoint, you have the, uh, you have to have the name that's on the legal document. Right. Yeah. So you have to follow the government's lead with right. that. That's right. Yep. So that can cause some confusion for, uh, for, uh, uh, HR departments or... Uh, yeah, and specifically or with the I-9 form, it gets a little tricky because you're supposed to, in person, 
compare the documents like a driver's license or passport to the person's in-person appearance. So if for some reason that person's grown out their hair and on their driver's license it says male, but they're presenting themselves as a female, it could get a little tricky, but you really are still supposed to go down the normal route of identifying and matching the photo that's on the ID to the person that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. So probably one of the biggest uh, biggest issues out that you hear right now is the state of North Carolina, as well as uh, is the bathroom usage. So where do we go from a uh, bathroom standpoint? So OSHA and the Department of Labor released um, a guide to using washrooms in the workplace. And the, the short answer is that OSHA and the Department of Labor have advised employers to allow employees to use the bathroom in which they identify themselves. So even though someone's biological gender might be male, if they identify themselves as being a female, as an employer, we should allow them to use the female bathroom. Um, that's OSHA and the Department of Labor's guidance. Um, there are also some other lawsuits on the state or federal level that affect this, but specific to bathroom ocean, the Department of Labor come out with the most compelling, most specific guidance on it. So uh, next uh, next issue, when Leo, when you look at some legal issues out there, uh, let's talk about the privacy. Now, you uh, you as the employer, you as the operations person, you did the I nine, so you know the issue. Clearly, you can't talk about it with uh, with people within your operations. So what, what we recommend is uh, for employers to start an in engaging the employee in an interactive process. That engagement in an interactive process is the same term that's used with under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So anyone with a disability requesting an accommodation, that engagement in an interactive process, the same term should be used or in the workplace on the transgender issue. So it's really working with the employee on what do you prefer, should we communicate it to other employees, how do you want to present yourself in the workplace and to customers and clients. Um, that's a good first step for employers to work with new hires on to work through the issues with how they want everything communicated in privacy. And so in, in this coming from the Department of Labor, does it matter size-wise company? So, I mean, could it be a small employer versus a large employer? The rule is the rule. Right, right. Any employer doing business in the United States, Right. Okay, and that that then is going to change a bit for somebody that uh, is currently employed and, and is going decides to go through the uh, sexual reassign, uh, reassignment surgery. Yeah, or or even if someone's not going through the surgery, if they just begin to choose to start expressing themselves differently and they're not planning to change their their biological gender, the same issues arise, and employers have to keep aware of and stay away from discrimination and harassment on any of these type of transgender issues. Right, because uh, it's it's covered under Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act, and uh, there's a there's a few different cases that are uh, that are ongoing right now within the uh, within the Department of Labor. Yeah, the big one, the the kind of the the milestone case was this Macy versus the Department of Justice, where uh, Macy was an employee of or an applicant and had identified uh, his or herself as one gender. Uh, gone through, got an offer, a conditional offer of employment. The government had um, started the criminal background screen, and during the criminal background screen, the government had found out that Macy was um, presenting him or herself as the opposite gender compared to their biological gender. So Macy, the government had rescinded the job offer saying, we're actually going to not fill this position anymore. It's, uh, we're, we're taking the position off the table. It's a job elimination. And then course the government they actually filled it again with a male and actually was a person who was identifying as a female so they really 
got in trouble with the EOC and the Supreme Court said, yeah, this is really a, a protected class. It's harassment. The, the employee Macy won the case. So the government in this situation had said transgender, although Title VII specifically doesn't mention transgender and gender identity issues, it really is covered under the sexual harassment, the gender part of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Right, so mm -hmm. some examples on the uh, discrimination. You know, you've got failing to hire or denying promotions, you know, uh, lower pay, uh, is, or even firing you're seeing. Yeah, and similar to discriminating someone based on gender or race or religion, now transgender should be considered in that same type of classifications. So if you're harassing someone or discriminating based on their transgender, their gender identity, and it involves firing, hiring, pay, promotions, use of bathrooms, the employee really could file a claim with the EOC and get the employer in some hot water. And and from a government standpoint, so say you're in a North Carolina where uh, the state of North Carolina or a state like that where they're disputing the government, at the end of the day, they can, I would imagine, take the uh, employer into federal court and the federal laws are going to trump, right? Right, and, and, and even if that's the case, it, do employers really want, I mean, if, if it's a family-owned private employer and they have certain pri privately held beliefs that are contradictory to transgender, that's one thing, but you're still having to fight legal costs, and it, is it really all worth it to go through that much cost just to deny someone bathroom access to the gender in which they identify? Right, right. So uh, let's uh, talk about some recommendations that uh, that employers can use and when they uh, w when they have a transgender issue uh, in their uh, in their workplace. So I think the first step is to be preventive. Um, mm -hmm. So you don't have to wait for someone to come to you and approach you to as, as with a transgender issue. Employers can be proactive by looking at their handbook, their policies. So one of the policies, the kind of the hidden ones that you need to be aware of, is a dress code policy. So oftentimes employers have two columns or two categories, like females, we want dress and certain hair or skirts. or So if it's a gender-identified dress code, you need to be careful because in the, the men's column, it might say we require that you wear pants, where that's no longer a recommended strategy because if it's a biological male presenting themselves as a female and they want to wear a dress or a skirt, now you're in some hot water as an employer if you prohibit that. So you know, you're saying talk like in general... For uh, general yeah, terms, right. like Be more business formal, business casual, along right. those and, lines. And give examples of, you know, attire, a suit. A suit could be right. uh, female or, or men's Not suit, ripped right. clothing, nothing with logos, less gender-identified appropriate wear and mm -hmm. more de-identified. Right. And then discrimination, they should update their uh, discrimination and harassment uh, policy. Yeah, so if your current policy says something along the lines of we, we don't discriminate and we pr we prohibit harassment based on gender, race, religion, um, we recommend that you also include transgender in that list now or gender identity or gay, lesbian, mm -hmm. bisexual type classifications because all of those, I th it will eventually be changed at the federal level to be included in Title VII. So we're on that route anyways, and I, I, I wouldn't test the courts or the EOC on that def definition because I think that that will be included on the federal level at some point specifically to include transgender in Title VII. Right. And then uh, some recommendations after an employee approaches the employer on, uh, on how they should handle it. Yeah, we mentioned a little bit before, but the key is the interactive process. So if an employee approaches a company and said, I'm... I'm I'm going to begin um, a transgender or sexual reassignment surgery. 
the employer really should begin this interactive process with the employee where they want to ask some questions like, okay, so uh, in terms of privacy, we need to talk about certain things like, what would you like us to communicate to our employees? Uh, would you like to hold an all-employee meeting? Would you want to send, you, would you like, prefer us to send an all-employee email out? Um, some employers prefer to announce it all employees at the same time and keep the transgender employee out so the other employees feel open that they can talk about it openly and if they have certain conflicts with that, either religious or personal held beliefs, that they can come to them. But even if the employee with the transgender is in the room at the same time, as, an, as a manager, as an owner, as an HR person, we recommend that you invite every employee to come to you with any personal objections or feelings of discomfort because we also want to worry about that other side of feeling harassed or discriminated on the other side also. Mm -hmm. um, right, so you've got to really uh, carefully balance both sides. Right, right. So this interactive process also can include, okay, how would you like us to um, display your name on our company directory, on an email address? Um, how would you like us to identify you in the use of pronouns? Or do, would you prefer the use of he or she when we refer to you? So these are all type of questions that when an employer is interactive working with the employee, it's a much better outcome because they feel like they can control and feel that their privacy is being watched over and they, they feel that it's the appropriate solution is being looked at. And I think a, a unified front prevents a lot of confusion. Right, right. And, and, and a unified front also includes meeting with supervisors and management separately. So you, talk, you take your supervisors and management executives out, and this is how we're going to work with this as a company. If someone approaches you, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the unified front is important. Great. Some uh, some great advice, Jason. Uh, we we appreciate your uh, your comments, and uh, hopefully that's of use to uh, to our listeners. Yep. So, thanks uh, thanks a lot for joining us again this week, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week for a new topic. If you have any questions, uh, HR at employco.com, E M P L O Y C O, or you can visit our website at www.employco.com. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.